0: Probably a minute, minute and a half straight on the first one at low volume Mm because I don't like to start at a high volume, blow the country out. And then I'll just do that for a minute and a half. And I might do two sets of that back to back, take a 30 second break.
1: you have found Ballistic Chronicles. I'm your host, Gary Lewis. This is episode 33. So happy you could join us here in this second in our mini-series on how to be a coyote hunter. We sip Frontier Roast Coffee and talk to Camden Hammer. Why October is tops for coyote hunting. There are more coyotes in October than there's going to be any time during the rest of the year and they're sorting out their territories or fighting and there may be easier to call now than at any other time of the season. Here's how you do it. If you like Ballistic Chronicles and want to support the show, we're making it easy for you. If you like what you hear, if you like Ballistic Chronicles, you can sign up to support free speech and hunting and firearms content right here in the internet age. This is Ballistic Chronicles. We bring you stories about guns and hunting, about ammunition. We hold conversations here on the podcast. And if you like it, we invite you over to the other side, the premium side. As a premium supporter, you get access to our whole back catalog. Members only big game calling episodes. We go deep into calling for big game and coyotes and bears. And we hold annual drawings for prizes too. Just $5 a month to start. Just go to garylewisoutdoors.supercast.tech or click through in the show notes. Well, you found Ballistic Chronicles. Today, we're going to be talking how to be a coyote hunter. This will be episode number two in our little mini-series, How to Be a Coyote Hunter. Camden Hammer's here with me. Camden is 22 years old. I've known you, I think, since you were 16. Yep. Yeah, unless you drove over to my house when you were 15. Nope. Nope. (laughs) We'll keep that on the down low if it did. (laughs) And he's the founder of Hammerdown Outdoors, and he works at Hammerdown Firearms here in Bend, Oregon. So we're going to talk how to be a coyote hunter. You are an enthusiastic coyote hunter. You've been killing coyotes for a long time. And I respect that.
0: I love it. (laughs) I love doing it.
1: And I think it's important that we, as big game hunters, learn to be effective coyote hunters. It makes us better all around hunters. Absolutely. Then we're also doing something to protect the fawns. And we're doing something to protect the elk calves. I've had biologists tell me that the single best time that you can hunt coyotes to make a difference for antelope and deer is in April and May.
0: hmm Heard that.
1: So that's, that's interesting. I've done that a little bit. But I've come to realize that I really like hunting coyotes between August, September, and early October. Now... Um, What I wanted you to kind of touch on this time is why you think October is tops for hunting coyotes.
0: All right. Yeah, so October, theoretically, you have more coyotes during the whole month of October than you will have the whole rest of the year because in the winter, that's when you start getting more of the coyote hunters, especially the weekend warriors that just kind of do it a few times a year. They will start hunting more December, January, when those coyotes start pairing up and theoretically with the cold snaps and weather, you get better coyote reactions, which is true to an extent. Sometimes it gets too cold out there. I've noticed out in Jordan Valley before we'll be out there in negative 20 coyotes aren't active. Yeah. Kind of weird. Yeah. With October you're getting the, it sounds mean, but you get the dumb little coyotes that were freshly born this year and they're starting to come out. Mom kicked them out of the den and they're, they're easy to trick. They'll just stand there and look at you and try to figure out what you are, and you can end up shooting a bunch of those guys in October, which is super fun.
1: The 1st of July, I was driving back from dropping a guy off. It was after dark, and I'm coming down the road, and here's a coyote standing in the middle of the road, and it's a young one. and It's the earliest I've ever seen one, a pup, yep. July 1st. And it was just standing there in my lane looking at my headlights coming on i thought wow there's a dumb one
0: <laughs> yeah yeah when they're fresh out of that that den they are dumber than a box of rocks yeah and they are easy to shoot
1: i stopped i rolled down the window and i said hey you move along now buddy <laughs> <laughs> he's like what the heck <laughs> yeah i like hunting coyotes in october i'll mix it up in a deer hunt And if I have looked into a canyon and I'm convinced that there aren't any bucks in that canyon, I'll do a little call set and sometimes a buck will stand up and I've killed one or two bucks that way thinking I was going to call in a coyote and then a mule deer buck stands up because it got agitated at the calling. Yep. But I've also killed coyotes coming in to, you know, responding really quickly because nobody has pressured them. Nobody's hunted them hard.
0: Exactly. You and know? that's a, another good reason why I like October, because they're still not quite pressured yet. And so the responses are just great all of October, especially for using pup distresses and things like that. More aggressive coyote vocals, you, you get aggressive reactions with aggressive vocals. Okay, so pup distress, that's going to be
1: the sounds that the pups make if an animal has attacked them. Yep. And... I would imagine that the female is going to react pretty strongly still at that time when she hears one of her pups being attacked, or yeah. hears what she thinks might be one of her pups being attacked.
0: Exactly. And the, and the dominant male coyotes in the area are going to also be defensive of their territory. There's going to be all these transient coyotes wandering about trying to figure out their own territory. And I believe they say a transient coyote can you know, rule of an area of about 30 square miles, whereas I believe... An adult coyote that has its established ground is much, much less than that. Yeah. And there's going to be, I forget the statistic, but I think it was like nine coyotes per square mile or something in Oregon.
1: Oh, okay. That's interesting. And then you've got these these young coyotes roaming around. They're trying to find their own territory and they bump into a dominant coyote who beats them up Yep. or runs them off. And so then they've got to go find another spot, which is probably going to be in another coyote's territory. Yep. It's rough out there.
0: It's rough living for those guys. <laughs> Not easy making a living in the desert or in the forest, for that matter. Yeah. But.
1: Okay. Now let's talk about your call set in early October. You've identified a place you want to sit, and maybe you've put a decoy out.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I use the I use these Lucky Duck Premium calls, electronic calls. Comes with a hundred plus. Options for distress sounds, coyote vocals, and it has this good little spinning decoy on there that you can control with your remote.
1: With a remote, yeah.
0: It works from, I've noticed you can take it about 100 yards away, and that call will still pick up your signals from the remote. With the decoy, it's definitely a huge game changer because you could have a coyote standing out there looking at you, but you can't see it. Masters of camouflage, hard to see when it's flat, sagebrush, they're the same color as sagebrush. And they could be standing out there trying to figure it out, see if they can see anything, and then they catch that decoy spin and flick, and they get curious and I've seen it before they come in and they're looking around and I see them block onto that thing, and they're like, "Oh, there it is, and their head gets low and they start coming in.
1: yeah, they have to they just they can't help themselves, yeah, unless they've been shot at before, but in October, they haven't been shot at for a long time,
0: yep, exactly. And I noticed throughout the spring, the last couple months, I haven't been seeing coyotes just driving around.
1: Same. Yeah, the places where I expect to see coyotes, I have not been seeing them. And I think it's because they're danned up. Yep. And they're tending to their pups.
0: Yep, I agree with that.
1: Those pups have a lot to learn. You know, I think the females and the, the males are out probably catching food for them and then helping those pups learn what they need to know yep
0: absolutely (laughs) yeah yeah and if you start the earlier you start the better chance you have at having a higher kill count at the end of coyote season when it slows down about mid-february late february and i'll sometimes even call into the first couple weeks of march but after that it really drops off and i just take the rest of the year off and go do other things and go fishing and hunting and whatnot just a bunch of bench shooting get proficient at your long range shooting. Mm-hmm. That way you're not missing coyotes. It's really easy to get all jazzed up. You see a coyote come and mock 10 at you and you're like, Oh, trying to get all steady and get centered for a shot. And a lot of people just miss cause it's exciting scenes. A predator come yeah. running at you like that.
1: Yeah. i miss coyotes all the time, but lots of times I get them on the second shot.
0: Yeah. That's the <laughs> trick. Get them when they're turning around and running away. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Okay, so now you've got your setup. What's your call sequence?
0: So I will lead off always with a cottontail rabbit distress. Okay. Um, and there, there's multiple different ones on that um, lucky duck. I like the one that's called a shelter belt. It's my favorite one. Shelter I've belt rabbit? Yep. Okay. It's the one I've called the most coyotes in with on that entire call. And then I will graduate.
1: But how long? Are you calling for 30 seconds with that or what?
0: So I'll call. I'll do... Probably a minute, minute and a half straight on the first one at low volume Mm because I don't like to start at a high volume, blow the country out. Mm -hmm. And then I'll just do that for a minute and a half. And I might do two sets of that back to back, take a 30 second break, another minute and a half. And then I switch up my sounds and I go to coyote howls and I let off a couple howls and barks. And then I'll go back into probably bird distress or woodpecker.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay.
0: I like those bird distresses because I don't think a whole lot of guys use those. Most guys are using those cottontail and jackrabbit distress calls. Yeah. So I think getting outside the box and using different prey sounds, really big game changer. Had that happen a few times during the Harney County Coyote Classic last year in Burns. We were hunting out past Burns and had this one coyote that I saw right at the beginning of the call. I saw him move left to right when I popped off with the rabbit distress and cycled for 10-15 minutes. Nothing could pull him in. He never showed up. So I was like, I'm going to try something. And I turned on a a squeaky bird sound. I think it was uh, a meadow lark. Oh, okay. And he it pulled him right in, and my buddy Brian shot him. Man.
1: Okay, so you're mixing up rabbits and bird sounds right in the same call set. I've done that a little bit, but normally I'll I stick with one kind of scenario.
0: Yeah, paint a picture. In your yeah. Bed. So, are you, you give it fifteen minutes? I like to sit for 20 minutes on average. Um, Sometimes I will sit for longer, especially if I saw a coyote way out and I know it could take them a while to get there, but 20 minutes is a good basis for me.
1: 20 minutes is what I do. I realized that when I was getting up at 15 minutes, I was leaving coyotes on the table. Mm -hmm. And so I started staying till 20 minutes. And then often, especially if I'm by myself, because I'm more patient than a lot of my friends, I'll sit for five minutes quiet and then just watch. Yeah. One of the things that I was able to do uh last year was I called I used mountain lion sounds and called a coyote in. Oh, very cool. So that was during the denning time, so that was in April. This coyote came in hot and it came in agitated. You know, it was bouncing around looking this way and looking that way trying to figure out where these mountain lions were cuz I was using mating sounds. Yeah. I missed that coyote and I didn't get a second shot. Oh, Oh, I was mad for a couple months on that one. (laughs) Isn't it amazing how mad you can get over a coyote
0: miss? Oh man, it fires me up. I hate missing. There
1: was a long time where I didn't miss and then then I missed a few. But I've made up for it since then. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, what about shotguns? Do you use a shotgun on a call set?
0: If you can either pack a rifle and a shotgun in yourself if you're solo or if Mm -hmm. you got a buddy that can cover the back door and you plant the shotgun on him. Yeah. Because most of the time, the guy who's sitting on the downwind direction, coyotes are going to most of the time want to circle out that way, but that's not to say they won't come running right into you from upwind. Yeah. And so we'll put a guy with a shotgun down there where the coyotes are most likely to end up in somebody's lap. Mm -hmm. And it does work out. Sometimes it seems like we're mostly just taking the shotgun for a walk, but because they usually get punched with a rifle long before they get to us.
1: (laughs) Okay. When I'm hunting with another guy, What I do when I need to alert him that I've seen one, I say, I just make a little kissing sound. I just go. Yep. Or I'll make another little sound that just kind of is low enough that it doesn't alert the coyote.
0: Yeah. And they even like those little kissing sounds. I believe it's vol squeaks is what people refer Mm -hmm. to those as. And those are great coaxers.
1: Yeah. And so you can do that by kissing the back of your hand or whatever. Yeah. little bit of practice but that's a good way to alert your buddy that hey there's something coming in and then it's a a sound that yeah the coyotes attracted to so that's what i do and then at the end do you have a kind of a routine thing that you do at the end of your call set
0: yeah so my general routine like i said i'll start with the cottontail and then i'll go into howls and i might just keep running with a cottontail instead of throwing the bird in i don't always do that run with the cocktail, and then end it every single time with uh, pup fights. So pups fighting with each other or oh, being attacked okay. by something else. And that's always just a big curiosity grabber. No matter what kind of dog it is, breed age, all that stuff. It's coming if it's there.
1: Wow. Okay. That's, that's really interesting. And what I typically end with is a magpie. Yep. Or uh, ravens or something like that.
0: Yeah, some scavenger birds. Yeah.
1: And I'll do that maybe two to three minutes after my last call, whatever that was.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I like doing that too. It's, you know you paint a scenario in your head of like what you figure is happening. So you figure you start with a cottontail distress, rabbit's crying, it's obviously hurt, and then you'll go some pup barks or something like that. So then it sounds like a coyote's getting into some rabbits and getting a meal in another coyote's territory, possibly, mm-hmm. and that could piss that coyote off. And now he's coming to show the little guy what's up. Okay. So
1: then what happens when your batteries run out in your unit, then you switch over to a hand call?
0: Yep. So I always keep my lanyard. That's what I started with was the hand calls. It's
1: yep, same most here.
0: reliable. It's old school and old school is good. So I always keep a lanyard of six or seven different distress calls and a couple howlers on me. Mm -hmm. And if I don't have those, I always have at least one howler or an elk call with an open read stuck into my bino case. Yeah. And that way I'm like, oh, I forgot my calls. Oh, I got one here. And then I can just use that. And you can make, with any open read call, you can make any distress, rabbit distress or a coyote howl, barks, anything like that.
1: Okay, so you've got an open read call here. Why don't you demonstrate um, some some sounds you might go to if you were going to open read call on a call set.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I'll start with a little bit of a rabbit distress, just the general kind of distress sound. So like I said, it's just an elk call. I can make a mew out of it still. And then coyote barks. It's a little bit hard to get the pitching. Yeah, that's a good bit creep, though. But... That's
1: great.
0: And then the last one I like, it kind of imitates a coyote getting into some fighting or whatnot. They'll mm-hmm. yip like dogs do when they're mm-hmm. playing. And so we call that the kai
1: Oh, man, my sheep are outside. They're probably hearing that right now.
0: <laughs> Tucking tail <laughs> running. Over their shoulders. Yep. <laughs> so I like doing that. And if I can't, if I'm doing hand calls, I'll end with a kai like I just ended with. Okay.
1: So then when I'm out there, I usually try to commit to a whole day of coyote calling because... Usually I'm not successful on my first call set. I try to make it a numbers game. And so I try to do eight sets a day. What are you? What do you think of when you're yeah, planning it?
0: About six to eight is my very minimum if I'm going to spend a whole day out there doing it. If I'm in new territory that I've never hunted before and I'm just purely out there hunting it to figure out some new ground and try to find some new good sets... I will do what we call running and gunning, where you do 10 to 12-minute sets instead of longer sits. That mm-hmm. way you're just kind of getting a feel for the sign in the area, the responses, the number of coyotes that might be there. And that doing it that way, you might get 15, 20 stands in.
1: Right. When I'm out in the desert and running down a road, we'll, I'll probably go a mile between call sets and then try to hide the truck. Yep. I've had people tell me that they call coyotes to their truck, but it sure doesn't happen for me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I do have some funny stories about that, actually. I've had quite a few where they come in from the back door and they cross the road and their tracks were five feet away from the front bumper of the truck. Mm -hmm. And then they come in and they bust us because they came in downwind. Yeah. And then this last year, it was actually the most bizarre weekend of of my life, coyote hunting. We did really good in the derby. I shot uh, four coyotes in two days, and then we had two more between the other two guys, each of them shot one. And the guy we were with, it was all area that he knew, so he was kind of driving the bus, you know, and Mm -hmm. I was just sitting back and being the caller. And He had, I totally disagreed with all of his philosophies on coyote hunting. He didn't want to sit long enough, and he wanted that call to be rolling for the whole 20 minutes, no stopping, Mm -hmm. which that worked once. I shot a three-legged coyote just letting that call go Mm -hmm. for 20 minutes straight with no pause. yeah i've seen
1: people do that but man i just disagree with it
0: yeah it's it definitely doesn't work as much but it does work you will get the dumb coyotes yeah yeah. and since that one was injured i'm sure he just he wanted any easy meal he could find since he was walking around on three legs
1: right yeah i guess i shot a three-legged coyote one time but man that thing could run i it it ran from the from the moment I saw it. It was probably four hundred yards away, and it ran all the way in. <laughs> yep, yep.
0: And there was another coyote that we had shot, and we. I don't really like doing stands super close to each other. If it's mm-hmm. within an earshot, they say that this call can travel about a mile. Okay. And this guy wanted to do a call over here, and then just leave the truck in the same spot, walk across the road, and do a call over here. And mm-hmm. I was like, "That's not going to work. It's a waste of our time." We shoot a coyote over here. We walked across the road. We called over here, and then I shot another coyote
1: oh, right there. Yeah, so it did like, work. Whoa.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then there was another one that uh, it was one of them that shot this coyote. We couldn't even hide the truck, and we it was a weird setup. There's this road going up this butte, and we dropped down off the right side, passenger side, and went down the hill. And if you were sitting down, you could look up and see the top of the truck, Yeah, and then it goes flat. And so any coyote coming out of that flat and coming up that hill towards our calling would be able to see the truck. Didn't matter. Still shot one. Man. Yeah.
1: Yeah. How close did that one come?
0: About 120 yards before, uh, I think, Brian got that one. Mm-hmm. So there was that one, and there was another area pretty close by a different hunt. And this is another thing I don't like to do, but it worked. And that's calling the same exact set two days in a row oh two days in a
1: row yeah, yeah. i'll return to one within a week or two weeks but yep. two days in a row good i usually like
0: to give them a break just to you know let the local coyotes forget about me yeah um but yeah that one we gave it less than 15 hours and we shot a coyote on both of those the but on the second round he didn't come in he just stood out there at 400 mm. yards and he was eating cow patties so oh yep cranked the dial up on the scope and gave him a little hold over and Pulled the trigger and shot him in the cow pouty. <laughs> Died face in it. Oh, man. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's a riot. I love shooting those coyotes. It's different every time. It's never the same.
1: On yeah. Right. My friend Lee Van Tassel, he says our favorite little fuzzball.
0: Yep. <laughs> I
1: like it. Yeah. Okay, well, a person who is gonna go coyote hunting for the first time. What do you tell them? You know, now we've kind of gone over philosophy and the, the setup, but what do you tell them to encourage them a little bit?
0: To encourage them a little bit is just don't give up from it and also really focus on your your morning, your dawn and dusk sets. Those are the two most important sets of your day because you have a way higher chance of calling in a coyote as they're crepuscular dawn and dusk active. So I've noticed most coyotes get killed morning or evening on the first and last set of the day. So really focus on those ones, sit at those ones for a little extra longer. Don't get discouraged if you're not calling coyotes in. Some days they just don't want to come. Uh, bring a good rifle that you can shoot and pull up quick and it's just there for you every time and shoot a fast bullet. One
1: time I was hunting over outside of by Seneca with two other guys and uh, one of them had the new 22 nozzler. Ooh, you know, it was new at that moment it, awesome. in an AR platform rifle and we both fired at the same time. I was closer to the coyote. We both hit it. I was closer to the coyote and I thought, well, my bullet got there first so I could claim the kill Mm -hmm. because I was maybe 10 yards closer than he he was. And we fired at exactly the same instant. It sounded like one gunshot. When we sorted it all out, I went home and I did the math and that twenty-two Nazer was actually going faster, so much faster than the six-five Creedmoor I was shooting, that I think his bullet actually did hit the coyote first.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but we See, both counted. <laughs> yep, exactly. And another thing I forgot to add for the for the new coyote hunters out there is. Make sure you get to cover and you're always wearing camo because that is important to me with coyotes. Cover your face, get that shine off your face with a little neck gaiter or something, face mask, face paint.
1: A neck gaiter works pretty good, doesn't it? Yeah, that's what I use Mm because you just
0: have it around your neck all day and it covers up the shine on your neck. And then you can just pull it up Mm -hmm. and right up under your eyes. And then use a bush or a tree as your backdrop to break up your shoulders.
1: And I always make sure that the people with me are wearing a really light glove yep and that i bring shine. them for them if they don't have them so that they can just pull the gloves on and, and then that keeps the shine off their hands which i think hands and face really blow it yep. for us in these call sets especially
0: because these- our hands and face they're always moving you're scanning you're doing something with your gun you are gotta scratch your face it's that's ruined some hunts for me but Hey guys, if
1: you like what we're doing here on Ballistic Chronicles, you can support the show and get in-depth hunting content you won't get anywhere else. Just go to garylewisoutdoors.supercast.tech or click through in the show notes. Our coffees are Frontier Roast and Fishing Central Oregon Reserve Roast. Our coffees are the right choice for great outdoor moments. Get yours today at garylewisoutdoors.com. Our latest book is Bob Nosler Born Ballistic, the hardcover from Gary Lewis Outdoors. This book tells the story of Bob Nosler with an insight into growing up in the 50s and 60s. Every boy needs a mentor and every boy needs a hero. Heck, even when we're all grown up, we need heroes. And Bob Nosler grew up walking the trails with John Nosler, the founder and inventor of the partition bullet. His father was a self-taught bullet designer and machinist, and Bob took that same focus, turned it on the business, And this now is the story of the life and adventures of Bob Nosler. Get Bob Nosler Born Ballistic at GaryLewisOutdoors.com and Nosler.com, Amazon.com.